0: Lord, we come to You tonight asking that You would speak through Your text, that we would walk away blessed, that we would see this study written by You, that we'd hide it in our hearts, that we'd experience You tonight, my Father. Please come and meet with us in this place. thank you that you're going to. We lift this time into your hands. This is for you, Lord. We're remembering you and what you've done. We just say thank you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Oh, this man is killing me. I'm telling you. So, Genesis chapter 15. Verse 1. Let's read together. Check it out. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram." I am thy shield and thy exceedingly great reward. We'll stop there. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. After what things? Well, remember what just happened in chapter 14? Abraham, who had just met with who? Two men. Melchizedek, remember, Jesus appearing. And the king of Sodom, remember, Lucifer in the Old Testament there. The king of Sodom wanting the souls of the people. The king, Melchizedek. Melchizedek means what? King of righteousness. Melchizedek coming and blessing Abraham. What did he bring? Remember, he brought bread and wine. Okay. A picture of communion. I love it. The picture of him whining and dining with the king, just like the disciples did. And we know right before that, he was blessed by Melchizedek. Remember, he went to war for who? His nephew, Lot. And he pulled him out of war, and after war King Melchizedek came and blessed him. Then King Sodom came and so-called tempted him. He said, You can take whatever you want, but just give me the souls of the men. And Abraham said, I will not take anything from you, you little buster. I will not. I will not even take a shoelace from you, he says there. So after those things, what happens here in verse 15? The word of the Lord comes to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not. Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceedingly great reward. We need to ask ourselves a question here. Why does God tell Abraham not to be afraid? Why? Why is he saying, do not be afraid before anything has happened? What has happened that he's telling him not to be afraid of? He says, fear not, Abram, I am your shield and I am your exceedingly great reward. We're going to find that out right now in this next verse. But I love the quick promise there that God gives to us. There's two things there. You see that in verse 1? Two things. What does God say that He'll be for us? I am your shield, protection and what? Your great reward. Note this. God will always be what? Your protector and your great reward. Always. He's going to protect you through that hard time and then He's going to reward. You must know that. You must hide that in your heart no matter what situation you're going through. He's going to what? Protect and reward. Protect and reward every situation no matter what. So-and-so's doing this to me. Oh well. Protect and reward. Well, this happened to me. Protect and reward. Always. No matter what it is, no matter how messed up, no matter what's happening, it will always be that way. Hide that in your heart. Don't miss that. The promise of God. What happens here? Let's read verses 2 and 3. Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold to me, thou hast given no seed, and lo, one boar in my house is mine here. What is he saying? It sounds like a bunch of gibberish. Josh. Listen. What he's saying here is, Lord, You've blessed me with all this stuff, but what am I going to do with it? Yeah, Lord, you've blessed me with all this stuff. You've, you've given me so much. Inheritance. And so many blessings. But what am I going to do with all this? Abram, he's worried he's not going to have a son to pass all his inheritance to. And so he gets scared. Think about it. I don't know, I guess this is a big deal back in the day. I guess so on this day too. But it's more like we have more family and stuff, and we don't really do that, like passing down to, our fathers don't pass down all of our trade and, and good stuff to us. It's kind of like, go figure it out for yourself, son. <laughs> like, we kick, you know, I mean, I don't know, some, some do, some don't. <laughs> it's kind of, I mean, with me and my pops, my dad, um, you know, I lost my mom when I was eight years old, so it was, it was hard for me and my brothers, three brothers, one dad raising us. It was heavy, man. No money, like $30,000 a year. It was ridiculous. I mean, really small enough to live off of. And so it was difficult. So my dad, you know, he wasn't really, he was working more than anything else, trying to just take care of us and be there for us the best that he could. But passing things down, he's a truck driver. I mean, he wouldn't really pass that trade down to me, I guess. I don't know, maybe he could. But, but more than that, I he's your pops isn't taking you out in the backyard and saying, son, we're going to farm today and I'm going to teach you how to farm, you know, how to run a farm, you know, or, or how to, you know, take down a cow or I don't know. You know? <laughs> how to milk a cow? I don't know. <laughs> but, but these kind of things are definitely happening. And so what's happening? Abraham's bummed. He's worried. He's like, oh, snap, I don't have a kid. Lord, you give, yeah, you blessed me with all this stuff, but I don't have a child to give it to. So guess what? It's going to go to my servant over here, Eleazar, from Damascus. I don't want him to take it. I, I need a son. Why is he worrying? What he should have thought is this. Hasn't God blessed me with all this already? So of course he's going to bless me and take care of me and work all this out for good. Right? Think about it. If the Lord has given you great inheritance like Abraham, I mean He's got, he's got so much animals and so much wealth. This guy's wealthy, Abraham is right now. He's got lots of money, okay? The Lord's given him so much. Think about it. If the Lord gave you, say, a billion dollars, okay? And if you knew it was the Lord that had brought it to you, and it was only the Lord that gave it to you, all of a sudden it showed up on your doorstep one day, like, here's one billion dollars. And you're like, oh, snap. And it says, it's a gift from the Lord. You're like, oh, if the Lord did that for you, listen, if the Lord did that for you, then don't you think that He would provide a son for you to pass it down to? Like this, this little task, to bring a son. Come on, kick back. This is a problem with Christians. What do we do? We see the Lord pull through, brings us a billion dollars. Then we doubt Him and wonder if He's going to pull through again. The Lord brought Abraham all this inheritance. He is the one who gave it to him. And now he is doubting and wondering if the Lord's going to be able to bring him a son. Or if all of this inheritance is going to go to waste. Do you think if God has done that for you, don't you think He's going to take that and work that out for good? Or whatever He's given to you, work it all out for good? Yes, we know that. You need to rest on that promise in your own heart, in your own life. Me too. Because this is a Christian, isn't it? We get blessed, we like shout for joy. Oh snap! This happened, yeah! Praise the King. Then what happens? Tragedy. Oh, why aren't we rejoicing the same way as if we were being blessed? Rejoice in your hard time. Rejoice in your trial, because in the end of that trial, there is a blessing coming to you. The Red Sea is going to be parted. Remember, rejoice before the Red Sea. That's where the gift is found. And Abraham should be doing that. Let's read verses uh, 4 and 5 here. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, who Abraham, remember, in a vision, saying, This shall not be thine heir. Who? Remember, Eleazar. That's not going to be your boy that you're going to give all the money to. He that, sh- he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine here. Or the one that comes from you, Abraham, will be your son. And he brought him forth abroad and said, the Lord is doing this, brought him forth and said what? Look towards the heavens and and tell the stars, or look at the stars, if you be able to number them, and he said, so shall your seed be. So what did the Lord do? Oh, I love this. Gosh, I love this. Abraham, a stress case or basket case or whatever. He's all stressed out. He's all bummed. He's worried, okay? Oh, Boom! Oh, I got all this inheritance. I don't know what to do. What am I going to do with it? I don't want Eleazar, the dodo man over there, to take our money. Eleazar, son of dodo. Remember that? Mighty? No. There's a man named that. Eleazar. anyways, I don't want dodo you know, to take all my money. I don't want to give it to him. I want my own son. And the Lord says what? I will give you your son. And he will come from what? Your own bowels. Or he will come from you, your seed. But then what does the Lord do? He takes him outside and says what? Look at the stars. Abraham, look at the stars. You see those stars? He says try to count them. He says if you can count them or even if you can't count them, your seed or this is how much your family will be, as many as the stars in the sky. That's how many you'll have. You're going to have more kids than you know what to do with my man. You're going to have grandchildren and, and great-grandchildren, great-great-great-grandchildren that goes down to the generations. Father Abraham, isn't that what he was called? Had many sons. And he's sitting here stressing about one to pass it down. What a gracious father. There's an illustration that goes here. The Lord is absolutely amazing. Let me read what I wrote down here. Not only does he say, yes, I'll give you a son, Abram. But the king went far and beyond and said your descendants will be more than you or anyone will be able to count. Abraham was worried about the one and God said here is more than a trillion. God has much greater things in mind and for you in store or in store for you. you. you're thinking you want a burger, and the Lord takes you out to a round trip around the world, to fancy, the most fancy, you know, craziest restaurants you've ever seen. That's what we're thinking. I need a son to pass someone. I need a burger. The Lord says, let me take you on a trip around the world to every single fancy restaurant you could ever imagine. Tasting things in Italy and Rome, and oh, gosh, Lord, I would like some of that right now. Ah, <sighs> Food is bomb, you know. Let's just talk about food real quick. Food? Why is it so good in your mouth? That is a gift from the king, isn't it? Food didn't have to taste good. I was, I was looking at... I was eating a plum today. Okay? A plum, yeah, this morning. I was thinking about the Lord. You know what I was thinking? Because I looked at the outside of the plum, and the plum, it's perfectly packaged. Look at it. Look at it. It hangs from a little stem, like this big, but the stem falls out when you're eating it. So you can eat the entire fruit and the seed is left so you can go plant it in the ground and make another one. I mean, the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And I was looking at it and I said, you know, I was looking at the outside, it's kind of reddish, you know. And the Lord started speaking to me, you know, and maybe it's just for Josh Thompson you're thinking I'm crazy. Whatever, that's fine. But I'm looking at this plum and it's red on the outside and I'm eating this thing and I bite into it on the inside it's white. And I think, Though your sin be as red as scarlet, I will make it as white as snow. I think to myself, without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sins. You cannot be made white as snow. It's the blood. I just I love looking at nature and I love looking at those things and being reminded of the king. Look at a banana. Perfectly packaged for a human. Look at it, It fits right in your hand. Perfect. I'm serious. It fits with the ridges of your hand, you know the little indentions in your hand. Yes, as your fingers bend, they mold perfectly around a banana. Perfectly packaged. Ready to go. We don't need no plastic or Ziploc bags. Uh-uh. You just pull it off the tree, put it in your fridge, it's ready to go. The wood is amazing, and it's sweet tasting. Something that grew in a tree, you pull it off there, and it tastes like candy to your mouth. It tastes good. Some tree, something that was in the dirt. Dirt. You put this little seed, dirt, in the ground, okay? And dirt, go try to put some dirt in your mouth, or go try to eat that seed, okay? (laughs) It doesn't work. That thing produces sweet-tasting, wonderful, juicy, like... How? It's amazing. It's Jesus stuff. That's what it is. But I just think it's absolutely amazing that food even tastes good to us, that food is two separate things, okay? Let's look at evolution, Okay, a human, I'm completely different and far from a tree over there. Why would these two link together and that thing that the tree produces tastes good to this tongue? They're completely separate entities. Why would that have anything to do with me? And why would it taste good? How does that work? Why are these things made for us to be able to, yeah, I could see us just eating them but not enjoying them. You know, like, evolutionary process, you need stuff to eat so that you can grow and, and move on. But why would it taste good? Why would it be sweet to your mouth? Why would you enjoy it? Something that grows on a tree that was found in the. It just doesn't make sense. It's Jesus. That's what it is. The Lord planted those trees in the garden once, a long time ago. And has given them to you and to me. And what does that mean? Why did I get on that? Gosh, I have no clue. Oh, I was talking about being on a trip around the world. The Lord, you asking for a burger? I need a son! Hey, it's time to pass all my stuff to you. Oh, you want a burger, huh? Here's a trip around the world to every single fancy restaurant that you could ever imagine. The top chefs in the world. A little candlelit dinner for you and the king. Sit down there, maybe overlooking the, the beach in Malibu up there on that cliff. Oh, man. That's what the Lord does. He has given Abraham White. He says, Look at the stars. I'm going to give you more than you could ever imagine, my man. More than you could ever imagine. The grace. You say to the Lord, I need a fancy Lexus. The Lord said, Here's a plane. That's right. There's a plane flying around the world, go anywhere you want. Lexus schmexus. I sit on Lexus. That's what the Lord says. <laughs> Check this out. How many stars are there? Carl Sagan says, they estimate that there are as many stars in the sky as there are in the sand on all the beaches of the earth. Go do this. Next time you're at the beach, do this, okay? And do this. And Try to blow that pile of sand out of your hand. Aaron, try to blow that pile of sand out of your hand, okay? And see how many are in there. Think about that. That is so much we're talking about the stars and how many stars there are on the, right now on the earth or right now in the universe. How many stars? They say, there are as many stars as there are grains of sand on the beaches of all the entire earth. Just go to Huntington Beach, you know, and just pick up a handful. Go take a shovel and dig. Do this, you know, take a shovel and throw, you know, like a bunch of them and in the, in, in watch the dusting. And, amazing. How many stars that there are? And the Lord says what to Abraham? I'm going to give you descendants more than all stars. Lord, I need one son so I can pass all this stuff down to him. And what am I going to do if I don't have a son? I'm going to have to give it to Joseph. Remember, Eliezer, Dodo. I'm going to have to give it to him. I don't want to do that. I need a man to pass it down to. The Lord says I'll give you more than all the sands on the seashore. That's how many of your descendants are going to be. Oh, I love it. Let's take it a little further though. Check this out. That's what man says. There is as many stars that are in the sky. The way to count them is go and count the beaches of all of the world or all of the earth. But if you turn over in Genesis chapter 32, there is one who knew that long before man did. Genesis chapter 32 verse 12. You there? Turn a couple pages to the right. Genesis chapter 32 verse 12. It says this. And thou saidest, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea which cannot be numbered. What did God say? Look up at the stars, Abraham. You see all the stars up there? That's how many your descendants are going to be. Then what does God say? There in Genesis chapter 32, He says... I will make the seed, or your descendants once again, as many as the sand on the seashore. What did the human say? I think that the number of stars is about the same amount as the sands on the seashore. The Lord knew this back in Genesis chapter 32, my friends. Love it. That's our king. That's how smart and wonderful he is. Long before man ever could figure these things out. So let's take it a step further. One more thing, okay? Remember? Take a handful of sand... And that's not even close to how many stars there are in the universe. Huntington Beach, that's a little... Here's the the universe, right, in my arms, right? Huntington Beach, all the sand. That's how many stars there are in the universe. That's how many grains of sand there are. Check this out. Go to Psalm chapter... Let me just read it to you. You just listen, okay? Psalm chapter 39. I'm just going to read this. You guys just listen, okay? Psalm, it's 139, I'm sorry. You just take note. Come on, don't, don't talk back pages. Be like, listen, stay focused. Psalm chapter 39, it's verses 17 and 18. Listen to this. Remember, sands on the seashore, this much. Will universe stars? How many sands are there on the beaches? Who knows? But listen to this. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How precious are your thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. David says, how many is your thoughts. David says, if I should count them, they are more in number than all of the same. The Lord says, my thoughts towards you are precious. And David says, Lord, if I were to count all those thoughts, they'd be more than all of the sand on the earth. Each precious thought that the Lord has towards you, one grain of sand. The Lord has more precious thoughts towards us than we could ever count or imagine. He thinks about you all day, every day, wondering when you'll hang out. When you'll spend time, when you'll look to Him. I can see the Lord just sending trials and tribulations our way just so that we'll hang out with Him. You want to know why? Because we don't hang out with Him unless something bad's happening. That's when we come to Him. And the Lord says, Man, I just want to be with you. If I send this in their, in their path, I look at that. Wow, I look at the future. They're going to, looks like, spend hours upon hours upon hours with me. I just want them to be with me. My thoughts towards them are more than all the sand on all the beaches and all the world. He thinks about you all the time and He loves you. His thoughts towards you, every single one, is precious. Not one negative thought. Isn't that awesome? Not one negative thought towards you, towards me. How many negative thoughts do we have towards our friends and the people around us? Even my friends, my close friends. Like, I'll have negative thoughts about Jeremy or something, you know. And Yeah, well, he does this and this and this and not like that. And the Lord has none towards me. And the things that I do to Him did I run? Man, what a gracious king. Isn't he wonderful? There's nobody like him. Not even one negative thought. Nothing. I could sit on this all night and just think about that. Out of all the thoughts that he has, every, all the sands on the sea, go pick up, remember, pick up a pile of sand, look at it, wow. The Lord has 50 trillion thoughts times that. And they're all good. You mean there's not one grain of sand in there that he's mad at me about or bummed? No. Remember, he got mad at Jesus for you already. He's not mad at you. He's not bummed. What a precious king. So, quick overview real quick, just to get back on page. Abraham, comes to God, he says, Lord, you've given me all this stuff. i got more stuff than I was able to do with it. But I don't have a son to pass it down to. All i got is Eleazar the dodo over there. And I don't want to give that to him. And so what? I need a son to pass it down to. Can you bless me with a son? And the Lord says this. Abraham, go and look at the stars. He looks at the stars and he says, You see the stars? Your descendants will be more than the stars. I will give you more than all of the stars. More than all the grains of sand on the earth. That is what you will have. And that is what you will have to pass down to. Don't worry about it, Abraham. And so, what happens in verse 6? One of the greatest verses in all the Bible. Bible students, Bible scholars, this is what Paul uses twice. I mean, it's huge. Romans. This is what it's all about. Romans chapter 6. What does it say? And he, who? Abraham, believed in the Lord and he counted it to him righteousness. Abraham believed and it was counted to him righteousness. Where is this found? Romans chapter four, I have it all listed there. Abraham believed it was counted righteousness. You got, geez, Romans chapter four verses uh, two through six there that talks about Abraham believing. Romans chapter eleven verse six talks about that it's not works that any man can have. So much to go into. What time are we looking at? That? You know what? Let's just look at that real quick. Romans chapter four. Turn there. Okay. Abraham believed and it was counted to him righteousness. What did he believe? He just believed God, right? God said what? Students. God said, Abraham, you see the stars in the sky? I'm going to bless you with that many descendants. Okay, it's like me coming to you and saying, Taylor, I am going to... Give you more descendants than you would ever know what to do. I mean, you're going to have grandchildren. Duh, 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 duh. I mean, so many descendants more than the stars in the sky. Okay, that's how many of your descendants will be. That will be your generation after generation, okay, to come. So I, pro- I promise that to you. Now, what do you do? You believe me. It says, Abraham believed him, believed God, and it was counted in what? Righteousness. Remember? Me and you are not righteous until what? We're not righteous. Period. Look at us. Remember, there's none righteous. No, not one. Right? The Bible says, "None righteous, no not one." Righteous means what? Right standings with God. Right? You're right with God. I'm right with God. Right standings. With, there's none righteous. No, not one. Until what? You come into a relationship with the Lord. You what? Believe in Christ. And now what? You are righteous in God's eyes. Right standings with God. You have done nothing wrong. I don't see any sin. I don't see anything. I don't remember anything. It's all gone. So, how did this work here? Abraham believed in the Old Testament and his founded of righteousness. So, Romans chapter 4 gives a, a little understanding here of what happened there. Check this out. Revelation chapter 4. Look at verse 2. Okay. For if Abraham were justified by works, he has wherefore to glory, but not before God. For what says the Scripture? Abraham believed God, what we just read, remember, and it was counted unto him righteousness. Now the hand that works is the reward not reckoned of grace, but debt. What does that mean, Josh? Listen, it's like there's a lot of religions, a lot of people that think what you have to do something in order to come into a relationship with God. You have to do something. Do, do, do. No, 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 no. If you have to work, it's a gift. So that no man can boast. It's a gift. Okay, what's a gift? Remember, I give you a gift. Here you go. Here's a gift. Now if you come and do work for me, is it a gift? No, I, I'm just paying you what I owe you now. Okay? Now this is a big picture I'm about to paint. Okay? So stay with me. I give a gift. If you work for it, it is not a gift anymore. God says His salvation is what? It's a free gift given to every single man. Now what do we do a lot of times? God gave Abraham a gift and what did he do? He believed. He accepted that. Now what if Abraham said this, Lord, you're going to give me all that? Well let me go and uh, I'm going to go pull weeds for you. No? Because now that becomes like God paying Abraham like some money for what he did. No. God is giving it to him as a gift and he believed it. So what are you saying here, Josh? Salvation is given to us as a gift. You ready? Here's a gift. Now, if all of you said, I'm going to go work in the back for Josh and do something for him, then it's not a gift anymore, right? Because now you're working for me and now i got to pay you. Now it's like paying you something. This gift becomes a payment. This gift becomes your check. Okay? So by understanding this, what are you saying? This is what I'm saying. A lot of times, I think that, I personally believe, and I want you to discern this for yourself, okay? That coming to Christ is a lot easier than we think. I believe. Paul says that Abraham believed, and it was counted to him right. He just believed. He just believed. What does believing mean? I've written down here. Believing, the word here is, Amen. That's how you pronounce it. Amen. To stand firm, to trust, to be certain, to believe in. He was accounted righteous for just believing and trusting. Listen, listen. Follow with me. Get this. Don't miss this tonight, okay? Trusting. Trusting in. Believing in. If you believe that I'm going to do something, what does that mean? You're putting your trust in me, right? You're standing firm on what I say. Like... I say, I'm going to give you a million dollars to say, I believe you. Or, you don't believe me, right? So if you say you believe me, then that's it. You believe me. You put your faith in me. You trust in me to do that for you. Check this out. How do we say that people come to Christ? A lot of times you say, you have to what? Pray a prayer. You have to repent of your sins. You have to come forward on all calls You have to this, you have to that, you have to this, you have to that, you have to this. No. What does God say there? What does the Bible say there? What does Paul say there? What does God say back in Genesis chapter 15 there? Abraham just believed. Did Abraham do anything? Did he pray prayer? Did he... Do, you come forward, do any kind of work, period, anything. No. What did he do? How hard is it to believe? Do you believe that I'll bring you a million dollars? You have to believe that. If you believe that, that's it. The exchange is there. It's done. It's that easy. Abraham believed God. Now, if it's anything more than that, then that means you're working. You're doing something, and it's not a gift anymore. Do you understand? It's not a gift. If you do something... Like baptism, for instance, okay? A lot of religions try to say what? You have to be baptized to be saved. No, you don't. The Bible says what? Repent and be baptized. And so you're to be baptized. Yes, it's mandatory. You should be baptized, but you do not have to do it. That would be like this happening. Okay, here you go. Here's salvation. I'm giving it to you if you just believe. Okay. Nope, but you have to be baptized to. Or, okay, here. Here's salvation as a gift. So now I, do I have to do anything? No. That's what we would say. You don't have to do anything. You just believe. Maybe another religion will come and say, you have to be baptized. And guess what? By you being baptized, you're doing something in order to get something. When you do something to get something, what is that called? It's called working. You do something to get something from me, and I pay you money. Right? That's a job. That's working. So God says to you, you b- just believe. 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 I want to show you a couple of scriptures here that just... If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you're what? Saved. Did it say you had to pray a prayer? No. Did it say you had to go and do this? No. Did it say you had to do... No, it doesn't say any of that. I'm not saying that praying a prayer is a bad thing. By no means. No way. Do not think that in your mind. I'm not saying that coming forward... No, those are not bad things. Because those help you to see that you're making a decision, you know, for yourself. But I would say something like this. Gosh, this is kind of deep, but I'm just going to go into it anyways, okay? Repenting of your sins. Let's talk about this. Repenting of your sins. What do we tell people to do? Repent of your sins and come to Christ repent of your sins and come to Christ doesn't that sound like doing something though? I have to repent? the Bible does say repent of your sins doesn't it? it says that repent of your sins what does that mean? I do not believe that word sin there is meaning all of your sins because this is why if I told everybody in this room right now repent of your sins and then you all say raise your hand everybody everybody raise your hand and say okay I'm repenting of my sins. Okay, you ready? are repenting of your sins. What does repent mean, remember? 180, right? To turn, right? 180 <coughs> in the other direction. I'm turning from my sins, right? What does that mean? To repent of your sins, that would mean to turn from your sins, right? Okay, so all of us... You don't have to raise your hand anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, stay with me, stay with me. To repent of your sins, okay? Sin, 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 sin. I'm, I'm doing this. Okay, now I'm repenting of my sins. I'm not going to do that anymore, right? How many of us in here have truly repented of our sins? Not me. I fall into sin all the time. I continue to sin. I thought I turned from my sin. Well, am I turning back to it now? I'm not repented of my sin? I'm turning... This is what happens. A person will go down for it. A person will go and receive Christ. And you'll tell them what? Hey, listen. Now that, that lifestyle you're living, you've got to repent of that. But that sounds like a work to me. I thought all it took was just what? Believe. Believe. What does believe mean? That doesn't even mean praying. That's not, that doesn't have anything to do with that. What, what is confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? What if I confess right now that Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord. I just confessed it, right? Is that me praying to God? Is that me? You see, confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. I believe that a person who does do that would pray. Amen? Of course they would. But when you tell a person, when you tell a person, repent. Repent of your, uh, hey, say Let's say a homosexual, for instance, okay? You, a person comes forward who's homosexual and you say, or, or maybe you're witnessing to him on the street and you say, what? He's an open homosexual and you say, hey, you've got to repent to those sins, man. You've got to repent to that sin. Or you can't come to Christ. What? I thought the Lord said, you just believe. You believe on me. What, so, Josh, are you saying that he can just go and live in a homosexual lifestyle? No. But what I am saying is this. Don't tell him to repent of his sins. If you tell him to repent of being a homosexual, this is what's going to happen. He's going to try to repent, right? Okay, I'm turning from homosexuality. I'm walking with the Lord now. Then what happens when he goes and falls in homosexuality again? What happens if he lusts after a guy or a girl or whomever it is? Then what does he do? Oh, I guess I didn't repent of my sins. And so now he goes and rededicates 50,000 times because he doesn't know what to do. So instead of telling him to repent of all of his sins, I don't believe that's what the Bible is telling us. I believe it's telling us this. Repent of, what sin does God hold against you? What is the blasphemy? What, what is, I'm sorry, I just said it. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. What is the one sin that is unforgivable? Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, right? Isn't that the only sin that God will not forgive you of? And so what sin do you need to repent of? That's all of your sins have been paid for. The only sin that God is holding against you is not accepting all that forgiveness. Does this make sense? Listen. So this is what he tell the person. Believe on Jesus. Do you believe Jesus is Lord? Yeah, I do. It takes a lot to believe that Jesus is Lord. Do you know that? It takes a lot to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. What if, what if I said, what if Casey passed away 10 days ago. And what if we said, Hey, Casey rose from the dead. (laughs) Liar. (laughs) It takes a lot to believe that. That takes a lot to call Jesus Lord and believe Him as Master. Yes, it does. And so what does the word repent there mean? It means this. Not repent of your sins, because you can never repent of your sins. All of us will what? We will sin for the rest of our lives, right? But you do this repent from that one sin of not accepting God and accept God believe Him and start chasing after God and running after Him and what will happen? all that sin will fall off don't tell the homosexual you need to repent of that homosexual lifestyle because he can't what you tell him to do is repent from the fact that he's not following after God and to turn to God and start following after God and what happens? he starts chasing after God and then he sees, you know what? I don't want to do that stuff I'm not down with that scene. I don't want to be a part of that anymore. The more you seek after Jesus, the more this stuff falls off. Repent of the one sin. What sin? The one that God holds against you. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Are we understanding this thoroughly? I know this is a lot to talk about. This is, I mean, we could talk for hours, but this is big. This is heavy. John chapter 6. Verse, let me, let me read it. Sorry, let me just read it. John chapter 6, you write it down. Verse 29, I believe it is. Check this out. And 28, 28. So it's 28. They said unto him, who? Jesus. They said, What shall we do that we might do the works of God? so you guys ask me, Josh! What should we do so that we can do the works of God? This is the works of God. Are you ready? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe on Him who He has sent. You just believe. You just believe. You just believe. I believe that coming to Christ is easier than we think. I believe God's going to try to sneak as many people into heaven as He can. Coming to Christ is the easiest thing you could ever do. What if it... Turning from a homosexual lifestyle or turning from a, a, a sexual lifestyle or turning from a drug lifestyle or turning from any kind of lifestyle, that is hard. That's hard to do. What's easy? Believing on Jesus and saying, you know what, I'm going to start falling after Him. I believe that He is the Lord. I'm going to start falling after Him. Oh snap, I fell. You're forgiven. Get up and start running after the King. He's forgiven you. What? Yeah, He's forgiven you. He keeps forgiving you. And that appreciation starts to build about how much He's forgiven you. And then you just get this love of the King and you start chasing after Him. And all that sin starts to fall off. I see all my friends, man. Repent, we tell them. They can't. I haven't. Have you? I sinned today. How can I tell them to repent of sins when I haven't repented of my own? I am, it's like me telling them, Repent of your sins. You sinner. you're in sin. Like I'm not in sin. (laughs) Like I'm not experiencing sin in my life. That's me. That's my voice. You guys understand what I'm saying? We tell them to repent of the one sin that God's holding against, and that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Not accepting God's forgiveness. Not accepting God. Turning from God saying, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Oh, so you don't want to believe Jesus is Lord? No, then you're going to hell when you die, my no, man. That's just it. That's final. Believe. Believe, believe, believe. And I have scripture upon scripture upon scripture that I'd love to share with you. But Romans chapter, you just write these down. Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. Romans chapter 9 and 10, verse 9. You know that? Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Remember Paul? In, in, in the uh, in the prison, what happens there? Remember, the guys standing there, and all the locks fall off the prison gates, and Paul and the prisoners are standing there. And the guy who's guarding them, the guard stands up and about to kill himself, about to stab himself. And Paul says, "Hey, hey, hey, buddy, you don't have to kill yourself. We're all here. We're not leaving." And he looks at him and says, "What? The doors just broke open, and you guys aren't going to run free, you prisoners?" And he says, "No, we're here." he falls down on his face and says, What must I do to be saved? He says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Just believe! Do you see this? It's there in the Scriptures constantly. It's ironic how everything has changed. Lord, help us. Man, I spent a long time on that verse there in chapter 6, but this is very, very important. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6 there. What does it say? Let's read it together. Look at it. Would you guys read it with... Uh, I'll just, you don't have King James, so let me going to read here. Listen. <laughs> and he who Abraham believed, and it was counted to him righteousness. Righteousness for just believing. Not getting baptized. Not praying a prayer. Not going forward. Not repenting of sins. Nope. I don't see that. Do you see that there? I do not. Repenting of one sin. Not believing God and start believing God, and chasing after God, and running after God. A person who does not chase after God, and run after Him, and does not believe in Him. Those are the ones. The one who does not do that, that's who you're going to see, with a messed up life of sin. But the one who chases after God, I promise you, the sin will fall off like never before. And all of a sudden, you don't want to anymore. And all of a sudden, you strive after holiness. It, It happens. Holiness is happiness, my friends. You, you... You understand how good the Lord has been to you. Remember? You punch me in the face, I forgive you. You punch me in the face, I forgive you. You punch me in the face, I forgive you. You punch me in the face, I forgive you. You punch me in the face, I forgive you. You punch me in the face, I forgive you. You punch. How many times? How many times has the Lord forgiven you? Are you grateful yet? Are you appreciative? We need to be. He's been good to us. So let's move on here. Praise the Lord. We need to close this up very soon. But verse 7 says what? And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought you out of your Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit. What does God do there? God says, hey, remember who I am and what I've done for you in the past? If you remember me, you'll see who I am and what I can do and what I will do. Haven't I been faithful, God says to him. Abraham, do you believe me? He says, yes. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the year of Chaldees. He says, hey, look at your past. Look at the things I pulled through for you in. Look at the things I've done for you. Am I not going to pull through for you in the future? Yeah, of course. Then trust me. God says to you tonight, trust me. I'll pull you through it. I'll take you through it. I will make everything okay do you trust me have I not pulled through for you in the past have you come to me and prayed in the past and asked for me to pull through and have I yes you have Lord am I going to pull through for you in the future yes you are I trust you King I trust you Lord there's nothing that I have to worry about verse 8 the grace of God again oh my God! I love this chapter I could go on and on look at this look at this Verse 8, and he said, who? Abraham. Lord God, whereby shall I know that I will inherit it? Did you see that? He questions God again. He doubts. I thought in verse 6, Abraham just said, I believe. That God said to him, You believe me, Abraham, and so now I'm going to count it to your righteousness. What does he do in verse 8? He doubts again. That is the grace of God. It's like this you saying to me, Josh, I believe you're going to give me that million dollars. And then, two verses later, you say, I don't really think you're going to give it to me. <laughs> and it's like, dude, I just gave you righteousness for believing me. And then you're going to doubt? Look at this timeline here. Abraham says he believes God. God says, okay, I'm giving you righteousness for believing Then Abraham doubts God. He believed here. He gets righteousness for it. Then doubts. God can see the past, present, and future. Don't you think the Lord was looking like, Abraham's about to doubt here, but I'm going to give him righteousness anyways. That doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? If I saw that two verses later you were going to doubt me, I'm not giving you no million dollars. I'm not even going to ask you. I'm not even going to tell you about it. No righteousness for you. But God says, Abraham, oh man, you believed in me. You believe me. Righteousness. Two verses later, Lord, what are you going to do about this? He's doubting. The Lord is good, isn't he? Grace of the King. Lord, I believe you. And Then we doubt. That's what we say. It's like this illustration if you've prayed for it not to rain and the Lord says it's not going to rain then you don't go and grab your umbrella when the clouds come you believe the Lord you trust Him you don't doubt Him say that again you pray for the rain to stop or it not to come and the Lord says yes the rain is going to stop then you don't go and grab your umbrella as you walk outside that's not in the key you walk by faith not by sight you no know. what a loving awesome god we have and guess what one more thing to add on that two verses later abraham doubts and guess what that verse still goes down in history as the one that paul quotes in romans and in galatians like Abraham was this great man. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him righteousness. Paul, what about the two verses later? It says uh, he doubted God again. The Lord is good. Man, he's a good king. The way he pulls through. Let's look at verse nine. Jesus, shut this thing down. And he said unto him, Take me a heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took them, him all these, and divided them into the midst, and laid each piece one against another. But the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcass, Abraham drove them away. And when the sun was going down, we'll stop right there. Stop at verse 12 before we read that what happens is God says, okay, okay, all right, little buster. All right, Abraham, listen up, man. What's the whole story? You ready for the picture? The whole story. Stay with me. We're going to close this up. Abraham comes to the Lord. Remember, he's bummed out. Oh, Lord, I don't have a son. I have all this stuff. I don't have anybody to pass it down to. I don't want to pass it on to Eliezer, or Dodo man over there. I need somebody to pass it on to. So he, he says what? Okay, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. Then he says what? Go and look at the stars in the sky. You see the stars? That's how many I'm going to give you. And then it says what? Abraham what? Believed God. He was counted him righteousness for believing. Then two verses later, what does he do? He doubts. Lord, how am I going to know that you're really going to do this for me? How am I going to know that you're really going to bring this inheritance of bigger than the stars of all these people? How do I really know it's going to happen? God says this is how it's going to happen. Does he trust me? Abraham said he believed, but then he doubted. So God tells him in verse 9 there, he says, take these animals that are three years old and cut them in half. And lay them there on the altar. Now why cut them in half? This is why. Something interesting? In the Old Testament, they didn't have lawyers. Okay, They didn't have people to sign documents with. Like, if me and you made a deal, how do I know this deal is going to be kept? You sign a contract with me, right? Sign a contract saying... You're going to pay me at this time or you're going to make this happen, right? We're making a deal here. They didn't have that in the Old Testament. So what they do, what they do is they take a car, uh, they take a, an animal, they would kill it and cut it in half, split it in half and lay it right there on the ground. And two men would come and they would stand in the middle of this carcass. They would shake hands there. And they would grab each one by the wrist and they would shake like this. And they would say, now this means business. We're standing, we, we, we killed this thing split it in half to stand before this pretty much over my dead body that kind of thing like this is serious this is a big deal we're making a contract here we're saying that this is you know the big deal you know nobody's walking away this is death involved here and so that's the way they would make it so what did the Lord do he says cut these animals in half and put them on the altar it's like the Lord making a contract with Abraham he's like okay and so he trusts the Lord in that way oh It's interesting that the Lord, that Abraham is doubting the Lord. And this is why. Remember back to verse 1? It says that God came to Abraham in what? A vision. Here I am. Vision. Vision. And while he's having this conversation with the Lord, he's doubting. Amazing. That gives me great hope, Josh Thompson gives me great hope today because this is why. Even the greatest of men doubted the Lord. The father of Abraham, one that goes down in history, is one of the greatest men. Abraham is here doubting the Lord. And there's a vision. He's talking to God. And a vision. How many of you wish... Oh, Lord, just give me a vision and I'll believe and I'll do anything you want. Oh. Watch out. A vision. Even the greatest men of the faith doubted, even though they saw God at work. It's okay to doubt, it's okay to question the thing is you need to always run back to the king and run back to your roots you run back to the Lord and talk to him about it and spend time with him and he will pull through he'll be gracious to you, I promise he'll bring you greater blessings than you could ever imagine so as we close this out there isn't really much to talk about other than this and things but keep those things in mind as we look at this real quick verse 12 What happens is after these things happen Abraham he falls in or after the sun goes down he falls into a deep sleep verse 12 and a deep sleep fell upon Abram and lo a horror of great darkness fell upon him and he said unto Abraham know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs and shall serve them and shall afflict them for four hundred years and also that nation whom they shall serve, will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. Remember? What's happening here, Josh? Okay? Picture? Abraham's sitting there, he falls into the sun goes down, falls into a deep sleep. A horrible vision comes to him. And it's his descendants get locked down for four hundred years. Who's that? Remember the Egyptians. Remember the Israelites were locked down in bondage for four hundred years. Here's the prophecy says they're going to be locked down for 400 years, but this is it. I will protect you and what? Reward you. Remember, we talked about this in the beginning. And God says that there. He says, I will judge them, and that you will come out with great substance afterwards. Great pictures here. Great stuff we could dive into in the next hour. In verse 15, And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. He tells Abraham, Hey, Abraham, you're going to be an old man. You're going to live for a long time, and you're going to be buried. At a good old age, you'll rest in your you'll rest in peace with your fathers. But in the fourth generation, there shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. We could talk about that. Praise the Lord. Something quick to note there for you, Bible scholars. In in, in verse 16, there, what does it say? But in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again. The fourth generation. How many years? 400 years, right? How many generations? Four. The fourth generation. 400 years equals four generations. So how many years is a generation? 100 years. We know a verse that says, this generation shall not pass away when they see Israel come to be a nation. That's you and me, this generation. And some say, is that 100 years? I don't know. There's a couple different listings in the Bible for generations. There's like 40 years. Is a hundred years. It looks like it, because forty years has already passed, so I don't know. That'd be two thousand forty-eight, the time when the king comes back, or before. But we know it is soon. Very soon. Let me just read this up and close this out. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. And the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed have I given the land, from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river of Euphrates, the Kenites and the Kesanites, and the Cadmonites, and the Hittites and the Pezerites and the Ref I don't know, and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Gergashites and the Jebusites. And that is the end of the chapter. One more thing to close in. Did you see that? The Lord said in verse 18, In the same day, the Lord made a covenant in saying, Thy seed have I given all this land. From this point to this point, you list all those sites, Jebusites and andites, andites. Okay? Check this out. All that land, you know how far that land goes from? If you look on a map, the land goes all the way from Iraq and Iran all the way down to the Nile River. Nile River. Okay, gosh, I need a map to show you. you would see if I have one in here. Oh, let's see here. Okay, we don't have a map. Praise the Lord. But let me explain it to you. Okay, listen. Iraq and Iran all the way up here and then all the way down to what? The Nile River. All the way down to Egypt. That's in Africa. Okay? Europe. This is all Europe. Europe, Europe, Europe. Down into Africa. That's how much land God had given him. He says, this is what I've given to your seed." You know how much? Listen, This how it's 300,000 square miles. That's how big this piece of land is. Okay? 300,000 square miles. Check this out. In all the years that Israel has been around, this is how much land—the most land that they have ever taken over—is 30,000 square miles. 30,000. God gave them how much? 300,000. The most they were taken was 30,000 square miles. That's when Solomon was reigning. That's it. And all this spiel about whose land is this, and over in Israel, and the Gaza Strip, and da 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 da. Dude, God gave them 300,000 square miles, man, all the way from Iraq and Iran, that should all be Israel's, all the way down to Egypt, all of it should be Israel's, all of it. And guess what's happening, they're fighting over this little piece of land. Look, look at this. I got this picture, though. Remember I showed this to you? Here's, here's Egypt down here, okay, can you guys see this? Everybody see that? Egypt. Here is Israel, Okay. This is tan. Here's Jordan, Lebanon and Syria, Iraq and Iran over here, Jordan, Egypt down here, the Nile River, all of this should be there. All of it, all of it, all of it. This is how much they own right here. All the light right there, all the light color, okay? Guess what? This little portion right here is three miles. You could run it. You could run from point to point. The, the largest point, 70 miles. That's like, what, from here to the beach. You could drive it. This whole section here, I think you can drive the whole thing from top, from the top of Israel to the bottom in like three hours. It's less than the time it would take to go to Las Vegas. It's such a small country. So they say it's like the size of San Bernardino County. That's how big. And all the Arabs and all the people are rising up and saying what? Give us more land! Give us more land! Blah 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 blah. It's like Shut up. God gave them 300,000 square miles, my friend, and they should have all that land. They're, they've only possessed, they only possessed, the greatest they ever possessed was 30,000 square miles. Now they have even less than that. Not even one-tenth of what God had given them. What? It's like if the Lord gives you a whole football field, you're like, mm, I'm taking ten yards you idiot and that's what it's like for many of us here tonight and me too listen the Lord has given you 300,000 square miles and many of us are only experiencing maybe 10% we're not tapping into what the King has for us Casey I'm telling you I'm talking about walking with Jesus all day every day Not like it's a chore, but just like He's there. And you just talk to him and spend time with him. Who's the next person here to part the Red Sea? Who is it? Who has God given the rod to to stand up and say, I'm going to part the Red Sea. I'm going to do the great miracle. Many of us are not tapping into that. Maybe none of us are tapping into what God really has for us. Kevin, the question is, we need to start doing that today, right now. Don't just dabble in little 30,000, one tenth, 10 yards, ooh. Why not bathe in what the Lord has? Stop eating, remember the little burger, and take a trip around the world already and feast on all the wonderful dishes the Lord has for you. Stop driving a little flame old and brand new Lexus. And go fly in the plane that He's given you to fly in. That private jet, that's just sweet. When you get in that thing, you feel like you're in heaven. Spend time with Jesus. Believe Him. Believe in Him. Who cares about the sin? It's forgiven. Repent, not from that sin. Oh, I'm going to try to fix that. Don't try to fix that. You to seek after God more, and that'll be fixed. That's how it works. Don't focus on the don'ts, focus on the do's. Experience this life that God's given to you. I really want each one of you to be blessed. This life of Christ for me has been sick, my friends. I, I feel like I just do crazy stuff all the time. I just get this crazy stuff. Like just Utah a couple weeks before, and before that I've been to Oregon three times in the last you know six months or whatever five months, four months. Be able to speak here and do that and just travel around and see people's lives changing. We're setting up to, you know, go dropkick all of Riverside with this, you know, DVD. And, and gosh, to see people's lives change and just experience just wonderful, amazing thing, it just seems like it doesn't stop. Like this life of Christianity is more adventurous than anything. It's not same old, you know what my old life used to be? Me and Jeremy, man, it was like night and day. We'd work during the week and we'd hit the clubs on Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday night but we'd do church we just wouldn't let anybody know and it was the same thing over and over and over and one of my buddies came to me just a little while ago and he started telling me you know Josh this life's thinking boring man this life is lame So you want to know that this life is lame why you don't enjoy it because you have no purpose you have no purpose in life what are you doing You're just jumping around just doing whatever. There's no meaning. There's no mission. There's no nothing. And when you hang out with the Lord, listen! When you hang out with the Lord, get this. When you hang out with the King, He will lead, guide, and direct you every single day to amazing things. And you'll look back and say, Ah! This is crazy. I would have never expected you, Lord, to bring me to this point. I would have never expected you, Lord, to do this or do that. But Tyler, my man, when we don't hang out with the Lord, we have nothing. We have nothing. Each day is just another day of work. Each day is just another day of life. No meaning. I'm just trying to make some bucks so I can get that car. I'm just trying to do this so I can do that. Who cares? Hot cars are easy to come by. Just go work hard. If you want a hot car, go work hard. Go work hard. Go work 20 hours a day. Go work three jobs and you'll have the baddest car you've ever seen go to school for eight years and become a doctor or something and go make tons of money and flash all your money around it, it's just not that dope it doesn't, it's just lame, you know because I know guys who have lots of stuff and it's like, this is lame but if you seek Jesus in each day, my friends then what's going to happen? you have that adventure You have meaning and purpose all the days of your life. Each day individually. You understand? You understand why I'm lecturing you guys? Because I want you to be blessed. That's the only way I know how to tell you. That's the only way I've been blessed. It's like when I'm walking down the street, and I've spent time with the Lord that day, and all of a sudden the Lord goes, go and talk to that man. Go give that person some money. Go ask them if they need help. Okay? I go over there and end up talking to some millionaire or something. He's like, why don't you come over to my house for dinner? Okay. I go over there and meet his family and all of a sudden his family's like, man, wow, you're a really cool guy. Wow, you know the Bible really well. The whole family comes to Christ and they start coming to church. Man, Josh, I own a car dealership. Here, here's a brand new car. How do you like that? Crazy things happen like that all the time. I just don't get it. This life with the Lord is amazing and adventurous. It's wonderful and exciting. It's not lame and dull. The one who says it's lame and dull and old is the one who has not talked to Jesus, the creator of the entire universe. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, who's created this life. Has not talked to him in a little bit. Go talk to him. Not with your friends. Not here at church or at Bible study. No. You go by yourself. Spend time with Jesus. I promise you will be blessed. I love you guys. It's been a different night tonight. Different than normal, that's for sure, but that's okay. This difference good. And be praying, would you please? Can I ask you guys, please, would you please pray about the house and what to do? Can you promise me I'll do that? Don't forget, okay? Pray about the house. We've got to figure out what to do. This house is sold. 30 days is done. 30 days. We're out right of here. Mm. The Lord has another house ready. I don't know where that's at. But He does, and so we need to go ask Him. So He'll tell us where it's at. And then you can go tell Robert, and he can, him and Anita will go and buy the house, okay? (laughs) So get on it. Receive the word of the Lord in Jesus' name, and be blessed. And you need to receive the word of the Lord for you tomorrow, and go find that house, or whatever it is that you're looking for. Okay? Let me pray. Let me pray for us. Father, please take the things that I've said, Lord, that I've messed up and, oh, King, forgive me. Help them to spit out the bones and chew the meat, Lord. All the things that are worthless and don't mean anything. I've, I've said a lot tonight, King, please forgive me for saying much and you need to say more. Please speak to our hearts. Help each one of us to walk away changed and excited about knowing you and spending time with you. Help us to take the words that we've heard tonight and hide them in our hearts, the things that have touched us, the things that have changed us. Help us to be godly people that serve you and live for you and love on you. Help us to be those people. We want to live for you, King. You've been so good to us. We really do. So we just want to say thank you for all that you've done for us, dying for us and rising from the dead. Giving us forgiveness and letting us go to heaven and all the promises you give. and wonderful things. We just say thank you. And we're blessed and we're motivated to want to live for you and serve you all of our days because of that. So we give ourselves to you tonight. Help us to bless one another as we go. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.